just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. It's kind of rainy and cold here the last couple of days. It's kind of sucky. We're supposed to be in spring here in Minnesota, but we're not really experiencing yet. We are hearing that on Saturday it's going to be up around 70, then back down to 50 on Sunday. So we're at least breaching that moment in time when we're starting to see spring come around. Now, I'm still battling this cold or whatever the fuck it is. So if I sound weird or I don't sound like me, that's why. Trust me, it's me. (laughs) But it's really important for me to get through this sickness thing, though, because... uh, My granddaughter's two-year-old birthday is on Saturday, and I can't very well go over there if I'm sick. I'm not going to expose her to whatever sickness I might have. So if I'm still sick on Saturday, I don't get to go to the party, and that is fucked up. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm better come Saturday. Usually I get over these things pretty quickly, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, you know, whenever we do the show, I always ask you to send me emails or voicemails for that matter. And you can do that easily enough by sending me an email directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Or you can go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave me a voicemail. And a lot of people have been doing that. In fact, starting out this show, I do have a couple of Uh, emails that I want to relay to you. This first one comes from Bruce. He says, for your information, Rob Reiner, at Rob Reiner, tweeted at 7.03 a.m. on Wednesday, April 20th, it couldn't be more simple. A vote for Republicans is a vote to destroy democracy. Not really clever like you'd expect from Rob Reiner, but it is to the point and it is accurate. I mean, based on what we know about the Republicans, they are blatantly and egregiously trying to overthrow our government, overturn elections. We're seeing it every day. We're seeing it in text messages, email messages, just the shit they say. So Rob Reiner's correct. And if we can deliver that message to the general public sometime between now and uh, the midterms in November, that'll do us a lot of good. If you're voting Republican, you're voting against democracy. And if you're voting against democracy, fuck you. You're an enemy of this country. So, Bruce, thank you for passing that along. I get it. I like Rob Reiner, too. I remember seeing him the first time back in uh, the 70s during All in the Family. I'm old enough to have seen that when he was simply meathead. And now he's an actor, a director, a producer, Very famous and successful guy. Archie Bunker would have been proud. All right, the second email comes from Kevin from Connecticut. This is a little longer. The email today had me thinking, some of these Republicans are the exact reason why I'm an atheist. These religious people are some of the most hypocritical and judgmental people in the world. 
I think Anna Kasparian, I think she's with the Young Turks, said it best when she said, I don't care that you're a Christian. I don't care what the Bible says. It's a clown show trying to decipher what your magical book says about these very real political issues. I don't care that you're Christian. In fact, I will fight for you to practice your Christianity. I believe in that. I don't believe in Christianity, which means you don't have the right to tell me how to live based on your religion. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care about your goddamn religion. But they do not have the right to dictate my life and what I decide to do. I don't care about your goddamn religion. I'm so tired of having nonstop conversations about what the Bible says. You live your life in the way you interpret the Bible, but you don't get to say, well, the Bible says this or the Bible says that. I don't care. I don't believe in it. That's basically how I feel. I really don't hate anyone who practices. In fact, I respect it. But a United States theocracy sounds like a nightmare. LOL. Anyways, podcast has been great. Ed is a great addition. Have a good one. Kevin from Connecticut. Now, everything I said in that email is coming from Kevin or Anna Kasparian, not me. I'm in a little different situation. I do believe in God because I've had some proof in my life, at least proof enough for me. But whether somebody else believes in God or doesn't really doesn't matter to me. To me, it's more of a personal thing. You know, it's personal as to what you believe. Faith is an interesting thing, and many people have faith in a lot of things for many different reasons. And I can tell you why I have faith in God, but it won't make any sense to you because it's not your thing. You could have faith in God or faith in anything else, but I might not understand it. It's a personal thing. And, you know, it, to, to me it's like... Uh, like Sex for heterosexuals. Now, just hear me out on this. Sex for heterosexuals is pretty private. We don't typically go around telling everybody what we do in the bedroom. I mean, those of us that are heterosexuals. Now, of course, we like to infringe on those people that are transgendered or homosexual. Apparently, what they do in the bedroom does matter. I had a situation recently where I was talking to somebody who was uh, spewing about homosexuals and transgendered people and how she was upset with it. And I said, really, you're upset, you're concerned what they're doing sexually in their own homes perfectly legally. Well, it's an abomination. It's against the Bible. It's all this stuff. I said, okay. So you are concerned about what they're doing in the bedroom. I said, so tell me this. You and your husband, what kind of shit are you into? I mean, what are you doing in the bedroom? Is it kind of freaky? Is there a trapeze? What the fuck are you doing? Come on, tell me this. Tell me what's going on. And of course, she looks at me appalled that I even had the audacity to ask her. And she goes, that was none of your business. I said, good. You see my point. Your sex life isn't important to me. My sex life isn't important to you. And the sex lives of transgendered people and the sex lives of homosexual people aren't your fucking business. So stay the fuck out of it. She wasn't happy about that. She goes, but the Bible. I go, don't tell me about the Bible. 
You can read the Bible and believe one thing. I can read the Bible and believe something totally different. It's a personal thing. I believe, honestly, I believe this. If you believe in God, he's omnipotent. Anything is possible, right? I honestly believe if you believe in heaven and you imagine what heaven is, that's what it's going to be when you get there. Didn't they say we have a little God in all of us? We have more powers than we imagine? Well, maybe everything we think is real in terms of us. Maybe you don't believe in Jesus. So in your world, Jesus doesn't exist. Maybe I do believe in Jesus and Jesus does exist. People will say, well, that's not possible. Please don't tell me that because everything with God is possible. That's why I say it's a personal thing. Everybody can believe what they want to believe. If they want to be negative, that's what they'll end up finding out. If they want to be positive, if they want to believe in whatever faith they have, that's probably the way it's going to be. Now, some of you might be saying, well, that's fucked up. Doesn't matter. What I think about my religion or my sex life is my business. And same goes for you. Anyhow, (laughs) I appreciate the email, Kevin. And I understand what you're saying. Uh, And the fact that you may not have faith in God or religion, that's cool. It doesn't matter. We only have to live our lives to the best of our abilities, believing what we believe, try to do the best for ourselves. And if you choose not to believe in God, that's just fine. That's your business. All right, let's talk about what's going on in news. Now, you have to understand, I'm going to have to take a lot of drinks as I'm doing this. And I'm drinking just water. People keep saying, oh, you're having a beer, you're having a martini. I don't drink. I haven't drank since 1989. I have no desire to drink. Uh, But I do drink water, and I drink way too much Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi. I'm just owning up here. The first step is to admit you have a problem. And when it comes to Diet Pepsi and Diet Coke, I do have somewhat of a problem. But I can handle it. I could quit any time. <laughs> Anyhow, let's talk about what's going on in the news. We are hearing that the Kremlin insiders are getting a little nervous about the war on Ukraine and the toll sanctions are taking on the Russian economy. We knew this was inevitable. We knew this was a likelihood because there's a lot of pressures being put on Russia right now, the economy, people are struggling, people are standing in line to get food, people are um, not able to access their money, and what money they can access isn't worth as much as it once was. So Russia and the citizens of Russia are going through some things. The people in the government, the people in the military, the people that are the oligarchs, they're all paying a price. And things are getting a little troublesome in Russia. But they say that the insiders are getting nervous. Really? Just now you're realizing this? This is where it has to go ultimately. There is no way that Vladimir Putin goes into this situation and things don't turn badly for Russia. He went into this war kind of ill-advised. He was told that he would be welcomed in the streets by the Ukrainian people, which he was not. He was told that he could win this war in three days, which clearly isn't the case. We're 60 days in now. 
So he walked in ill-advised, and he was mistaken at every turn. Now, normal people would say, oh, this is fucked up. I made a mistake. I'm backing out of this, but not Vladimir Putin. He's a narcissist, so he doesn't give up. There's no way he could be wrong, so now he's going to push it to the limit until such time that he's right. But ultimately, in spite of the fact that he thinks he will ultimately win by continually ramping up his threats, the people around him are getting a little bit nervous. It's costing them money. It's causing problems in the country. He's an embarrassment to the military. He's an embarrassment to the government. And at some point, people around him are going to say, fuck this, we need to get him out of here. The U.S. just issued some more sanctions, and I'm really not sure how they can make it any worse in Russia, but apparently they have. A Russian banker oligarch is speaking out against Putin, and the, and the war for that matter, and that's pretty big. There are people, other people that were close to Vladimir Putin that are also speaking out against Vladimir Putin. It's just a crack at what's going on in Russia now, but it could ultimately break completely. Now, you have to understand these oligarchs and these other people speaking out against Vladimir Putin, that's a dangerous fucking thing. Just protesting in Russia, you can go to jail for 15 years. People want to run against Vladimir Putin, they end up in dead or in fucking jail. So Vladimir Putin isn't fucking around, and he's trying to gaslight his people in his country. But when his own people start uh, second-guessing the things he's doing, this is problematic for Vladimir Putin and ultimately problematic for the people that are doing it. So it takes a certain amount of courage for them to do this. Now, do they have this courage because they're just courageous or are they doing it because they know they've got a lot of other people behind them and that something is imminent? where Vladimir Putin will be taken out of power. I believe the second. There is just too much going wrong in Russia at this point, and they are going to have to do something. Now, I'm not sure how it will all go down, but it is inevitable. Even if they get rid of Putin today, they will have years, even decades, before they can regain their position in the world and economically. That's how much destruction has gone on in that country. I mean, you think about the world standing. They've always been kind of a problem child. But uh, at this point, every, every country in the world is against him. Nobody trusts him. People are afraid of him. You've got uh, Finland and Sweden talking about joining NATO. And, of course, Vladimir Putin is freaking out about that. The one thing you have to understand about NATO, people think it's an organization to protect uh, smaller countries, and it is. But what are they protecting them from? Other aggressive countries? Well, there's only one fucking other aggressive country that they have to worry about, and that is Russia. So NATO was basically put together to protect people from fucking Russia. And we're seeing now why that was put together. We're seeing what he's doing, Vladimir Putin, is doing in the Ukraine, and what he may be doing in some other countries that border Russia. So we're, 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 we're basically seeing NATO um, unifying like nobody ever expected. I think Vladimir Putin ultimately thought he was going to weaken NATO. 
And that was another mistake by Vladimir Putin. Just the opposite uh, is what happened. Now, when it's all said and done, Vladimir Putin is going to take the blame for everything. The blame is going to go no place else because the Russian military doesn't want to do what they're doing. The Russian government doesn't understand what's going on, and they're freaking out right at this point. The citizens of this country will find out exactly what's going on, and they're going to be against Vladimir Putin. There is no other way for this to end than Vladimir Putin taking the heat for all of this. And you can't do this sort of thing unless you um, are pretty strong. And at this point, Vladimir Putin is probably pretty weak. He will never come back from this. Once he's on the way out, he'll be exiled, killed, whatever the fuck happens. But Vladimir Putin will not be back in power in Russia. If Ukraine holds off Russia in Don, uh, uh, Donbass, the area where they are uh, fighting now, you know, of course, Russia has pulled back from some other areas. Uh, they're focusing on Donbass. And uh, they want to take that over. They presume this is going to be easier because it's a smaller area. And uh, by doing that, they can make it look like they come out with some kind of win. You know, at this point, um, at this point, uh, Vladimir Putin needs a fucking win big time. He's been losing at every turn. He can't walk out of here with a loss because then again, he's also at risk of losing his power. So he's in a tight spot. He's probably freaking out at this point. What's going on behind the scenes is probably pretty crazy because he knows what the writing on the wall says. So he really needs to win this little war in Dumbass to exactly or prove that he has a win under his belt. Now, in spite of the fact that they pulled back from some of the other cities like Kiev and those sorts of things, we are seeing more bombing in some of those inland um, cities, those bigger cities. And uh, that's kind of contrary to what people thought was going to happen. They thought everybody was going to pull out and go after Donbass. And that was the initial plan. Up until the time the Ukrainians <laughs> sunk that big boat in the bay, and uh, Vladimir Putin got pissed. I mean, this is his premier boat, his premier uh, battleship. And the Ukrainians sunk that bitch. And he is not happy about that. So he's looking for some retribution in some of these other cities. But ultimately, he'll focus on Donbass and try to get a win there. Now, if Ukraine holds him off there too, well, that's a problem. That is a big problem, not only for Russia, but for everybody. If he can't get the win in Donbass, then he's really got no other way to go. He's going to come out of this as a failure. I even heard a rumor that he said that uh, um, if the people of Donbass don't give up and surrender, that the next step is World War III. You see what he's doing there? He keeps ramping up his threats. And World War III and nuclear war is probably a step too far for Vladimir Putin. As much as he might be crazy enough to go into that fight, there's a lot of people around him that think that's fucking crazy because they know they're going to die. They aren't going to allow that to happen. 
Well, here's something coming up on Monday. You are definitely going to want to watch. It will be the battle, the epic battle of pieces of shit. (laughs) Piers Morgan will be interviewing Donald Trump. I'm not even sure how they've uh, put this together unless Trump got paid under the table. Now, let's be honest. Piers Morgan is an absolute asshole. So he may be the most qualified person to interview Donald Trump, who is also a bigger asshole. This should be very entertaining. Now, I've seen some of the clips, and it's going to be a shit show. I guarantee you it's going to be a shit show, but in a good way. The interview took place on Trump's home court, the Pimp Palace, Mar-a-Lago. Piers and Trump have had a 15-year relationship. You might remember Piers um, um, won The Apprentice one year. Uh, But since then, Pierce has written and broadcast a lot of negative shit about Donald Trump. And uh, (laughs) about 10 minutes before this interview, apparently, somebody on Donald Trump's staff compiled all these negative quotes that Piers Morgan said about Donald Trump, and he handed it to Donald Trump. Well, clearly, Donald Trump's not big on criticism. He's not big on bad news. And he was absolutely steaming. And Piers Morgan was worried that the uh, interview would be canceled. He's got a new show. This was going to be a blockbuster interview. He couldn't let that happen. So he decided to go and sit down with Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump was none too friendly when they had this conversation. He was talking about all the things that... Piers Morgan said, he said, I thought we were friends and uh, so forth. And and, and Piers said, well, you know, I said those things. I'm not going to deny it. It's right there in front of you. And some of those uh, are, are, well, all of them are serious questions and comments about some of the things you did. And, of course, Donald Trump just got more upset and uh, more irritated. And then Piers changed the tone a little bit. What Piers Morgan did was he said, yeah, I heard about your, uh, your uh, hole-in-one recently when you were golfing. His eyes perked up, his ears perked up. He says, yeah, how did you know about that? And he said, well, pro golfer Ernie Els told me about it, and he was ranting about it. And, of course, he says, really, where? Where did you see that? And he gave him some places he could find it. And then all of a sudden, he was chipper and happy. That's how um, cognizant Donald Trump is. He can go from somebody telling you he's a piece of shit and then giving him some kind of compliment, and that changes everything. That's how much of a child he fucking is. And then he calmed down, and of course, they went ahead with the interview. Now, the first part of the interview went okay, but the last part took a turn. (laughs) Piers was uh, asking about the big lie, and then Piers said, well, look, there's no evidence. And Donald Trump called him a fool, called him all kinds of names, said you're not real, you're fake, and the typical stuff that Donald Trump would say to somebody. But you can see Donald Trump getting real steamed up, and he's upset. 
And then at one point, he says, okay, the interview is over. Turn off the cameras. Of course, they didn't turn off the cameras. And he stood up and walked out, as Donald Trump is wont to do. But what's interesting about that, remember, Piers Morgan did the exact same thing when he lost his job on Good Morning Britain or whatever the fuck he was on. Somebody asked him a question he didn't like. Piers Morgan got up, stomped out, and pouted, and he lost his job. See what I mean? These these guys are simpatico. They're just like one another. They're both narcissists. They're both sociopaths. They're both pathological liars. And it's going to be a great combination when we watch this interview. It's coming up Monday, and it should be very entertaining. And this will be the one time I see an interview with Donald Trump done the way it should have been done. Anybody that interviewed Donald Trump, whether they be Republican or Democrat, always left him off the hook. They were afraid to make him mad, so they backed off anything that was a serious question. And if they got someplace where Donald Trump was upset, well, then they backed off. And I always thought that was funny. If the Democrats want to expose Donald Trump for who he was, what you want to do is get him pissed off, get him saying things he shouldn't say, make him be accountable for the things he's done, make him lie if that's what he's going to do. But nobody ever did that. Well, except Piers Morgan now. And this is going to be interesting because uh, once this is out and everybody sees it, Donald Trump will be shitting his pants, more so than he normally does, and he'll be making excuses and putting Piers Morgan down, and as I say, it will be a shit show. It'll be an absolute fucking shit show. But it's one of those shit shows that are kind of good. It'll be a combination of a, um, a WWE match and... Uh, <laughs> and some kind of uh, down-home Republican-Democrat debate down in the Deep South trying to decide who the fucking pedophile is. So anyway, that's coming up Monday. It's going to be interesting. And I've always said, you know, we took him off Twitter, and people are ignoring him pretty much. But I've always said, if you want to sink Donald Trump, sink him permanently. Let that fucker talk. Put him back on Twitter. Put him on the news. Let him sink himself because every time he talks, he shits on himself and he doesn't even know he's doing it. Then he's got to back up and try to backtrack on that. Let's let him keep embarrassing himself up through uh, the November midterms and we'll see how he does. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. All right, we're hearing some disturbing numbers coming out of the Russia-Ukraine war. But these are numbers we haven't heard. I mean, we've seen all the destruction Russia has inflicted on Ukraine. We've heard about the war crimes and atrocities by the Russian military. We've heard about the rape, torture, and murder of innocent civilians. We hear that more than 20,000 people have died in Mariupol alone. We don't know how many civilians have died throughout the country, but no doubt the numbers are pretty high. But there's another fact that we really haven't heard much about or anything much was talked about it, and it's pretty serious as far as I'm concerned. Apparently, Russia has also deported 
up to 500,000 people from Ukraine, and they're sending them to Russia. They've sent them to depressed areas of Russia. Not sure what that means. I'm guessing bad neighborhoods. In addition, they have forced these people to sign contracts, forcing them to stay in Russia for two years. And given what we know of Vladimir Putin, the question is, will they ever be able to leave Russia? And where are they putting these people? I mean, honestly, they're putting them in depressed areas. Okay, we know that. What, are they setting them up in houses? Are they setting them up in apartments, condos? I'm kind of concerned they may be setting them up in camps. You know, not unlike World War II with the concentration camps or some of the camps we had in America for Japanese people back in World War II. That seems like the likely choice. I mean, do you really want these Ukrainian people running around the country? Vladimir Putin has worked very hard to gaslight the citizens of Russia, to not let them know what's going on in Ukraine. All they know is that Vladimir Putin and the Russian military are fighting against Nazis, and they attacked Russia, so they're just doing the things they have to do. Well, we know that's all bullshit, and Vladimir Putin is working hard to keep his citizens in the dark. But if you're bringing in 500,000 Ukrainians, and you're putting them in these depressed cities and just letting them run wild, I gotta think some of these Ukrainians are gonna talk a bit, explain what is exactly happening. And how do you explain to Russian citizens that you're dragging 500,000 people into your country? I mean, is he telling them they're POWs? And if he is telling them they're POWs, then, of course, you've got to put them someplace. You can't, you can't set them up in foster homes, for Christ's sake. That's not going to happen, especially in depressed areas where people don't have any money anyway. They don't need more mouths to feed. So the question is, Will they ever be able to leave, and what are they doing with these people? I'm afraid that, you know, when it's all said and done, we might find out some horrific things about these 500,000 people and what Vladimir Putin did with them. I mean, we've seen it now as they backed out of certain areas in Ukraine and the atrocities they've left behind. Can we possibly believe that Vladimir Putin will take 500,000 Ukrainians into the country and he'll treat them well? I find that hard to believe. We are finding out exactly what Vladimir Putin is capable of. And he's capable of some horrific things. He is a war criminal. He's creating atrocities throughout Ukraine. And now he's stolen, literally stolen 500,000 Ukrainians, brought them back to Russia. Now, keep in mind, he doesn't believe Ukrainians exist. He doesn't believe Ukrainian uh, Ukraine is even a, a thing or a place. As far as he's concerned, it's part of Russia. Now, do they bring in these Ukrainians and treat them as if they are Russians? Or do they treat them as if they are prisoners, because as far as he's concerned, Ukrainians don't even really exist. So how do you treat those people? I don't really know what to expect from this, but if it involves Vladimir Putin, it certainly can't be good. That's the thing about this whole situation. 
when this whole war thing comes to an end and say Vladimir Putin is exiled out of power, uh, we are going to start to see some things that uh, we can't even imagine. We've seen the atrocities so far in a few areas. But I'm guessing you're going to see it in all areas before it's said and done. And then we're going to find out about the 500,000 that have alleged to have been brought to Russia, and we're going to see some horrific stories. If his intent is to just exterminate Ukrainians because they don't exist in his mind, we could end up finding out that he exterminated 500,000 Ukrainians. Now, I hope to God that's not true. But we know who he is and what he is and how he is, so anything is possible. We've got to get the war stopped, no question about that. But I'm afraid what we might find when, in fact, it stopped. This is a fucked up situation, and the faster we can get it done, the more people will be saved. Now, of course, America and NATO countries are feeding all kinds of uh, weaponry and ammunition and resources to Ukraine, and hopefully it's enough. But again, they're now really having to fight and protect the Donbass region, which is a smaller area. And let's say America and the NATO countries give them all kinds of big weapons, and they are able to hold off Vladimir Putin from getting his one win. Now he's going to be angry. Now he's uh, even threatening World War III if Donbass doesn't give up. You see, what's going on in Vladimir Putin's head is he knows this is going to be a problem. He knows there's a possibility he won't win this one. And uh, he doesn't like the prospects of that. So he's trying to give them an out, saying, you've seen the rest of the country, you've seen the atrocities. If you don't want to suffer the same kinds of things, you better just give up now. He's trying to win this easily. Unfortunately, what we found out about Ukrainians, they don't fucking give up. All they do is fight. So I think Vladimir Putin can ask all he wants, but it's not going to happen. I am very fearful about what we'll find when this is all said and done. Of course, we want it done as quickly as possible. But what we're going to find in the aftermath may be earth-shattering. And I'm praying that it's not, but what we've seen already has been is about as horrific as you could possibly imagine. All right, let's talk about something fucked up, but a little lighter. Here is a perfect example why, in my mind, broadcast television is just shit. Now, earlier in the year, there were some rumors going around that Rudy Giuliani might appear on The Masked Singer. And there was an uproar about that. And you would presume once they saw that uproar, they'd say, yeah, okay, Rudy, you're not going to be on the show. Now, The Masked Singer is a pretty popular show. They certainly don't need to resort to tasteless shock value, but that's exactly what they did. On Wednesday's show, the, uh, the contestant, who was dressed up as Jack in the Box, uh, sang a very shitty rendition of Bad to the Bone, originally done by George Thorogood. Horrible fucking job. Look at the video if you get a chance. Now, the thing about it is, at that point, um, Jack in the Box 
was revealed who it was. They took the head off, and we saw who that person was that was in that character. And, of course, uh, God damn it, it was it was Rudy Giuliani. Now, Rudy's not much of a singer, as we saw on the show, and you'll see it in the videos because they'll be all over the place. But even though they had this uproar, this kickback, when they were talking about the prospect of having Rudy Giuliani on the show, the Masked Singer show thought, well, we're just going to do it anyway. I mean, I assume they thought, well, this will create a buzz. This will create people going crazy. Some will be mad, but some will be happy. Uh, and we're just going to fucking do it. And they did. They put Rudy Giuliani on the show. Now, Ken Jeong, who is one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, guest, um, what do they call them, judges? Ken Jeong, when he was revealed to be uh, Rudy Giuliani, seemed to be very disgusted and upset. He had his arms crossed, and he said, I'm fucking done. He didn't say, I'm fucking done. He said, I'm done. And he was obviously mad, and he stormed off stage. Now, Robin Thicke, who's also another judge, followed after him. But what I thought was disgusting, and I don't know who the other guest judges are, two women. Rudy's up there singing Bad to the Bone, and they're up there dancing and having a good time and getting excited about this guy being unmasked. Now, in the last five years, Rudy Giuliani has been the epitome of corruption and criminality. Clearly, he was part of the attack on the country's democracy, the attack on the Capitol. He was part of that deal. He spoke on that day and helped to incite those people to go after the Capitol. There's an excellent chance he will be indicted and prosecuted and possibly found guilty and end up going to jail. There's a distinct possibility of that. So my question is, why does a network and a successful television show need to do this? Then to promote it as one of the biggest shows of all time, it's going to be a big surprise. I mean, to me, this is appalling, and they're going to have to pay for this one way or another. Now, I don't know if Ken Jeong is going to quit permanently, but there's going to be a lot of kickback, and they should have known this, because when that rumor got out that Rudy Giuliani might be on the show, they knew how people would react. But they said, fuck it, we're going to do it this way anyway. We don't care. It's one thing to have bad singers or bad politicians on there, but when you have somebody who was involved, heavily involved, with the attempt to overthrow this country and overturn the election... Well, that is fucking disgusting. Now, I've never been a big fan of The Masked Singer. I don't know. Maybe I'd like it if I watched it. I just don't because I don't usually watch network television. However, I got to think this is going to give them a hit in the ratings. There's going to be a lot of people disgusted by it. And it's probably the poorest choice of programming I've seen in decades on television or in radio, or whatever. There is absolutely no excuse for this. There is no reason for them to have done this. It's not like their ratings were waning and they needed a boost. They didn't. They're a popular show. 
It's not like they didn't know that there was going to be some kickback because the rumor that came out earlier told them exactly what to expect. But they're so fucking arrogant and so greedy and so much want to be this clickbait thing like every other network and every other politician that they will do anything. Apparently they believe that no publicity is bad publicity. Well, I'm going to tell you, for me, I didn't watch it much anyway, and I'm not going to watch it again just because they fucking insulted America by doing this. Now, some people might think, well, you're being a little strong, a little dramatic on this. No. I mean, this is my attitude with all Trump fucks at this point. People will always say to me, how can you keep arguing with these people? Can't you just let it go? No, I can't let it go. It's one thing if they, you know, gave a tax break to the rich and uh, screwed over the middle class. I'm going to be angry about that, but I can deal with it. But when you have a group of people who try to overthrow this government, turn it into an authoritarian government, now what they're doing is they're trying to fuck up this country. I'm 62 years old. I'm going to be fine no matter what happens, but I've got kids and I've got grandkids and eventually I'll have great-grandkids. And if you want to fuck up the country and hurt my family, my kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids ultimately, well, now we got a fucking problem. And what you've done is unforgivable. I can never look at you as a friend. I can never look at you and trust you. I can never look at you without being fucking disgusted. And that's how I feel about the Masked Singer at this point. Again, I'm not a fan. I don't watch a lot. So they're not going to lose much if I decide not to watch it. But I got to think there are a number of people out there that are just as appalled as I was when they saw what they saw on The Masked Singer. Rudy Giuliani better have his fun now because time is slipping away and he's going to get an indictment. He's going to be prosecuted. He's going to be screaming like a stuck pig. And maybe he just needed the money because... uh, He can't practice law anymore, and Donald Trump never fucking paid him. So maybe, maybe he needed the money. I can't blame him for doing it, because if somebody's stupid enough to put me on the air and I need money or exposure, fuck, I'll do it. But the people who decided to put him on, that's where the problem lies. Let's talk about Republicans a little bit as we uh, get to the end of this Rational Boomer podcast. You know, it seems that the Republicans are reviving a political strategy from the 1940s and 50s. It started with Republican Senator Joe McCarthy and a little thing called McCarthyism. It was characterized by a heightened political repression and persecution of the Democrats, and a campaign spreading fear of alleged communist and socialist influence on American institutions, and of espionage by Soviet agents. They called it the Red Scare, and they accused anyone they didn't like of being communist, most of which was ginned up and lies and stupid rhetoric that destroyed people's lives. That actually happened, 40s and 50s. There are actors and there are famous people that were called out for being communists, and they lost everything. Now, keep in mind, this is a free country. If you want to be a communist in this country, it's perfectly legal. But apparently Congress and uh, 
the entertainment industry thought differently of that, and they persecuted these people, even though they might not have been communist. It's kind of reminiscent of the Salem witch um, executions, you know? You can't tell me the people that were executed in Salem were all witches. It was just somebody somebody didn't like. They ginned up something, they lied, and they got these people killed and got them out of the way. Same thing happened with the McCarthyism thing. A lot of people were called out for being uh, communist. A lot of people were pressured to give names. And when they gave names, that hurt their careers too. I mean, that's a tough situation. Uh, There's never a good reason to be a rat, or as we said in the 70s, a narc. There's no good reason to do it. But if you think your livelihood is going to be taken away from you, some weaker people might say, yeah, fuck, I'll tell you anything you need. Just don't hurt me. You know, I get that. You know, we, we, we've got to have our own self-preservation. And uh, that's what they did. I mean, it was a complete fucking mess. But the weird thing about it is that sounds all too familiar. Republicans are now throwing around accusations, as they do, do to people they don't like. And they are absolute lies. But they are ridiculous statements But they are saying it like it's true, and their base is believing it. They are claiming that everybody on the Democratic side is about Antifa, which isn't even really a group. Antifa stands for anti-fascist. So are we to believe that they are pro-fascist? Well, the fact is they are acting like fascists. Maybe they are anti-fascist. They think of anti-fascist. Antifa is this big gang of people that are going around destroying cities and coming after Republicans, and that's not all the case. And the fact that they don't know that Antifa stands for anti-fascist is fucking stupid. Or maybe they do know it's anti-fascist, and they're all about fascism. Well, everything they're doing would suggest they are. I mean, I talked about Don, uh, Ron DeSantis in Georgia, Florida, Okay. He's mad at Disney because Disney spoke out against a law that he passed marginalizing the LGBT community or LGBTQ community. Here's my problem with that. So are you telling me that if you live in this country and you speak out against our government, that then our government punishes you? Well, that doesn't sound anything like America. That sounds like fucking fascism. And that's what these people are trying to pull off. Now, they can't stop accusing people of indoctrinating our school children with the critical race theory, even though CRT has never been taught in K-12 anywhere. Critical race theory isn't being taught in our public schools. And, of course, they relish in calling people pedophiles, or they support pedophiles, which is ironic because the people we see getting arrested for sex crimes involving children are, for the most part, Republicans. I guess you would call it projecting. McCarthyism didn't end well for Joe McCarthy. He ended up dying, I think. He was a drunk, and it didn't go well for the people following uh, Joe McCarthy. And uh, it ended up being a mess. Republicans, uh, what they're doing now won't end well either because it's all based on lies.
What we need to be doing is keep speaking up and speaking out against these people. We've got to control the narrative. We've got to uh, tell people what the truth is. And we need to do it over and over again. I mean, we're in America. That's why you get commercials that run a hundred times a day. If you don't shove it in their brain and try to brainwash them, they aren't going to grasp it. And so this is what we need to do. What's going on is absolutely ridiculous. And it's terrifying because at this point, we are getting people running around saying, I don't like this guy, so he's a pedophile. In fact, there was a um, state senator, I think, in Michigan, a woman, who got that kind of treatment from one of her uh, uh, opposition. And then she stood up and gave this compelling speech, basically tearing the Republicans to shreds. But this this woman is just a suburban mom and happens to be a state senator. There's no evidence that she's involved in anything like that, but it doesn't matter. The Republicans do it anyway. And that is absolutely terrifying because if they can do it to other politicians, they can do it to any one of us. If we speak out against them, they're going to punish us. If we speak out against them, they're going to accuse us of horrific crimes. You understand how that can't go in this country. And at some point, people are going to get mad enough to push back. It takes a while for people in this country to push back. But if you aren't frightened now, I don't know what you're thinking. We've got a Republican Party that wants to turn this into an authoritarian country. That in itself should be terrifying. They want to persecute anybody that they don't like or speaks out against them. That should be terrifying. They want to change the very way of life for all of us. They want to shove uh, religion down our throat, whether we want it or not. That should be terrifying for everybody. And if people are terrified, hopefully when it comes down to the midterms in November, they react by going to the ballot box, because that is the only way you can stop this situation. So keep that in mind as we get closer to November. We're counting on you, every one of you, to get off your couch, go and vote. And vote out these Republicans because they are going to make your life hell. They're going to make your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids' lives hell unless you do something. We're not asking a lot from you. Just fucking vote. And vote the right way. Don't pay homage to these fucking Republicans, even if you are a Republican. At this point, the Republican Party doesn't even exist. If you vote Republican now, like uh, was said in that tweet, you're voting for anti-democracy. You're voting for overthrowing our government. And even if you are a hardcore Republican, I got to believe if you're a decent human being, That's not your intention. You're not on board with that sort of thing. These people are running roughshod. They are going rogue, and they are doing whatever they can to save their power. And they are in a desperation state. And I'll tell you what, the last person you want to fight with is somebody who's desperate because they will stop at nothing to beat you. So this is why we need to take control. We need to control the narrative, and we need to shut these people down, uh, deprive them of oxygen, and shut them the fuck up, because the shit they're spewing is a danger to this country. All right, we're going to 
wrap things up with the Rational Boomer podcast. Just wanted to bring something up. Uh, earlier tonight, I did a live on TikTok. I don't normally do lives. I'm going to try to do more. Because every time I did a live for a while, I had some Trump come in and, and claim I was doing something against TikTok rules and have it taken down. And I I didn't want to go along that, that uh, trail. Because you get taken down enough, even though you're doing nothing wrong, they can ban you for a day, a week, a month, or permanently. And I value my platform on TikTok and my platform here on the podcast, and I want to protect that. And if that means blocking every single trump looking fucking troll, I will do that. And I have done that to this point. But it's always fun to do the uh, the lives, get a chance to talk directly with people who watch you every day or listen to the podcast, and I had a great time doing it. We had a lot of people come through, uh, probably 10,000 views during the, uh, the, the, the live, and that is truly fucking amazing. And I need to do it more. I, I've been getting... Uh, People that that I know on TikTok coming through and talking to me while I'm on TikTok. And that's kind of a good way to do it because you get to talk about certain things, answer questions, and you've got somebody to play off of you, much like I do when I have Ed on the show. And I like doing that. So I'm going to tell you this. If you listen to me on TikTok, if you watch my TikToks and you see I'm doing a live and you want to get up and talk a little bit and you want to interact with me, Put in that request. If I uh, recognize you or if I uh, get a good feeling about you, I'll punch you up and we'll sit and talk for whatever length of time you want. I've run into some problems with that, though, in the past. Somebody comes up and I just punch anybody on. Unfortunately, you get uh, the, 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 the young troll women that are always preying on old men like me for their bullshit spam shit, or you get some trump fuck who just wants to argue, and I don't want to do that because I don't want to give them the oxygen. So if you're going to come into my live, give me some kind of information about you so I can get a feeling about whether you're going to be a problem or not when I put you on the live, because I'll be honest with you. When I've been on the live and I have somebody on there and I want to get rid of them, I don't know how to do it yet. I've tried different things. It doesn't fucking work. And it doesn't work without looking real stupid trying to do it. I do have some moderators, though, so that's good. And they do an excellent job. But be watching for the lives. Keep listening to the podcast and watch the TikToks. And uh, we get enough folks behind this whole movement. We'll take over the fucking world and try to straighten some shit out. All right. We're going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer Podcast. You have a great day. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.